Welcome to Sweet Valley Diaries, the podcast about the small town that's big on double dating venues. Book number 68, The Love Bet. Look who's scheming now. Oh, so sinister. Well, look who's scheming now. If it isn't Andy Green, already up to some schemes by making your name Jessica in our uh, our video chat here. A classic Jessica move. I, I think so. She needs to announce her presence uh, and bust into everyone's scheme. <laughs> and that is that is what the subtitle of this book is definitely referring to. It is a subtweet of Jessica. Like... Jessica's not scheming now. Elizabeth is scheming now. Elizabeth and Todd, who in the book, The Love Bet, as Andy and I are about to spell out for you gladiators, just really through their scheme, they prove their milquetoast nature more than any (laughs) non-scheming ever could, I I would say. (laughs) Yes, I agree. They were the the lamest schemers, but also very effective at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, concerned with whether or not it was an acceptable thing to do and then like screwing up their own plan through their best intentions and all. Anyway, we'll get there, but that's what you have to look forward to, Gladiator. Oh, yes. We have a few things about the love bet that are different and new and fresh, especially here in season seven of Sweet Valley Diaries. So, and we just came off of a three book run that was all about the Wakefield parents going through a separation. Oh, yeah. Did you catch wind of that at all in the love bet? I mean, only in the one, the family brunch uh, scene. And, right. uh, and yeah, it, it, it had, it sounded like we, we jammed, well, I mean, if you're saying three books, we jammed a separation and a re- reconciliation and three books, yeah. a very Dawson's Creek, only that took seasons of getting Mitch and uh, Gail back, you know? Uh, so I'm happy that their parents are back together, I guess. I don't know. To me, I feel like they probably should have divorced, having not read them at all. <laughs> um, but but yeah, that was the whiff. I was like, oh, okay, they're back to brunch, and brunch is where people heal. That's what it felt like, like because the twins had some healing to do as well at brunch. So um, yeah, I think that was the only thing <laughs> I, I I got. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely in the middle of the book, a fleeting reference. I was really ready for this book to just be totally, you know, pretend like the whole Wakefield separation thing didn't even happen. It's been the biggest drama. But because that's over now, we're also having a grand return to Sweet Valley High. A lot of this book actually does take place in Sweet Valley High, classrooms, lockers, uh, cafeteria, which we haven't seen a lot of for a while in several oh, books. Not a some ton. great locker stuff this episode and <laughs> locker room stuff too. Oh, man. It was in the Oracle. We got the Oracle. <laughs> Yeah, all the stuff. We've got, yeah, cafeteria, hallway, auditorium. Oh, we Soccer field. We get to go to a game, Marissa. It's so exciting. And actually, uh, maybe I'm skipping uh, a little bit, but I just realized, like, maybe, I don't think the book does this at all, but maybe the fact that Elizabeth is putting on her Jessica hat and scheming and, and trying to get love back together, maybe that's connected to sort of what happened with her parents. Maybe... 
I mean, while it ended well, maybe she was feeling powerless or out of control or something and felt like, oh, I need to create more love in the universe and, and meddle in people's lives because she's so worried about her parents. Wow, that's really interesting. I think, actually, you might really be onto something there. I, I kind of wish the book had done more with that because Elizabeth and Todd actually go through a rough patch during the Wakefield parents' separation because Elizabeth is so disillusioned with love because of her parents' marriage falling apart that she is like her reaction is mm. for her to say, this is all nonsense. Like what's the point? You know, if, if people if that are as in love as my parents can't make it work, then, you know, what's the point? So when, by right. the time this book starts, Elizabeth has this newfound respect. Like she's learned that she was not wrong to put her to be, uh, to believe in love. You know, her parents were able to work things out. And in fact, she was the one of the two twins who was most committed to the idea. Eventually she got over her, her, uh, darkest fears and had a lot of faith that her parents would get back together and then they did. So that faith was rewarded. And um, well, and now she's happier than ever with Todd Wilkins. Uh, that's, that's, that's how they're introduced. Happier they're than so ever. so happy. And clearly they have a perfect relationship with no issues at all. <laughs> it's because they, they only, they only focus on other people's problems than their own. Uh, <laughs> but this, this is great because we're perfectly setting up the very beginning of the book. And I suppose it makes sense to talk about the very, very, very beginning of the book, the cover of the book, which features, of course, Todd and Elizabeth. Todd looking just like a catalog model, just like staring right into your soul. Oh, yeah. Cover. And he has a couple buttons unbuttoned and you can Hot. see a little little bit of, I mean, he doesn't have any chest hair, which um, I don't know, like I'm a chest hair person because I have it. So I don't, I, I'm always, I think I f always feel a little threatened by someone who has just a very clean chest because I think that's maybe the more desirable thing these days. Is that true? I don't know if there's a, a black or white answer to that. I but, don't think there is. Yeah. I think it just depends on the chest. Yeah. Well, let's not talk too <laughs> much about his chest. This is a 16 year old, a fictional 16 year old, but still. <laughs> Um, but then the, not James's finest work on Elizabeth here. There's something really weird going on with the side of her face, but she's like telling Todd a secret. Um, but something very cool about this book for me is that I, I so I buy these books online from uh, used book retailers and I got for the first time, this is a book that is like a hardcover edition. Whoa. So nice. I can tell the end papers say, especially for girls. And when I got the book, I like got some information about this. I guess this was like um, a book by mail kind of service for girls that uh, especially for girls <laughs> where they, they got, um, they got books in the mail and something because of that, something weird about, I have two of these now and I actually just found another one that I bought. Cause I guess I'm collecting these now when I come across them. Um, they don't have the book number on them. So it's as if the book is like, they're the publisher of this edition is treating it as if it's not a part of an ongoing series. It's like, it's this not is book a 68. Yeah. I mean, it even says on the front, it says, especially for girls presents sweet Valley high, the love bet. And it makes me wonder if like, what would young girls who got this book in the mail and hadn't read any of these before think about <laughs> 
the in media resness of of this story. Like, who are all these people? Because as you were saying before the recording, lots of characters in this one, huh? Yeah. Well, and and actually, I mean, I think, I mean, I might not be a a young girl, but I am, you know. You might not be, yeah. <laughs> I might not be, but I also sort of, the in media res, I mean, I've read one book with you before. So mm-hmm. I don't, I mean, I, I get it. I know it. And, and maybe it's easy to, I, but I, I don't know. I think it, the episodic nature of these books, I think, work. My question for you is going to be, do you think the especially for girls, like, edition is any different? Like, did you get any different uh, text than me? I was wondering about that, too. The first thing I checked when I started reading this book was how many chapters and pages it had, and it seemed about right. These books almost always have 12 or 13 chapters, and they're usually between 150 and 160 pages, and that that part seemed a little bit right. Um, I would also have wondered a little bit, like, well, was there anything a little steamier that maybe was redacted? But this book has a scene where um, at the, the, the opening scene of the book – Everybody is at a party at Patty Jenkins' house. And we'll talk about the party in a second because it's really important. But um, just to finish this particular point, at the end of the party, Todd is going to drive Elizabeth home. And I'll just read it to you. I suppose I have to take you home, he said with an exaggerated sigh. Elizabeth checked her watch and then smiled. Yes, you do, she agreed. But not for another half hour or so. Todd grinned. Just what I was hoping to hear. A few minutes later, they were at Miller's Point. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, and the book only goes on to describe, at least my edition, only goes on to describe some, like, literally a gentle kiss. <laughs> like, quote, unquote, a gentle kiss. It was but, a 30-minute gentle kiss yeah, at Miller's Point. 30 minutes of gentle kissing at Miller's Point isn't nothing. <laughs> no, that sounds like a nice time. <laughs> I agree. So Patty Jenkins is having a party. That's cool. Good. I'm glad we've got Patty back. Um, then her cousin Andy Jenkins is in a band called Yeah, you're Andy's lifting his arms in victory because he's a he there's a fellow Andy in this book. I'm assuming that's why, right? That and also because he's the front man of Baja Beat. And Baja I was Beat. just in the Baja. So I just opened the book, I get an Andy character. And also, it's weird, but I use Jenkins as like a fictional character or person a lot in my life. I'm always like, oh, Mrs. Jenkins, Mr. Jenkins. So it felt weird. Like, if this book was for me, Marissa, you did it. You figured it out. That's amazing. I had no idea. I didn't know. Because Andy Jenkins is actually, this is a plant of Andy Jenkins as a recurring character because he's going to be a star of the next book. And they didn't want to just fully drop him in our laps without having prepared us a little bit for who he is. But he still has like a pretty decent role in this one, for sure. Right. uh, Because, well, yeah, the Baja beat, I mean, it's setting the stage for the big conflict. But I loved what Jessica said about it. Uh, Let me me do my best, Jessica. Okay. Isn't that a great name? You know their songs are going to be great to dance to. That's all I got. Yes. I just love her assumption. It's like, well, it has the word beat in the name. So it's going to be a good band. And it's going to be, you know, Jessica the Optimist really comes through in this book. I mean, we saw actually the, naive, Jessica, the yeah. Optimist, the naive Optimist uh, in terms of boys being handsome in the previous <laughs> series of books because she had this uh, 
phone call, like phone only. She was doing a teen phone line and she had this phone only suitor that she was just sure that he was going to be attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the end, he was attractive, but not as attractive as maybe she would have imagined, but good enough, you know, <laughs> but um, reach the, reach the bar of, yeah. yeah of what Jessica. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I have come to, up yeah. more here too, but, oh, but yeah, absolutely. Baja beat. She's sure Baja beat's going to be great. We don't get to hear too much about the Baja beat, but it's brought up early on because this is one of the series is uh, every once in a while we get these band books, you know, books mm. that are about Sweet Valley High's own rock band, the droids. And it's Woo! kind of satisfying that the droids um, now are getting a little bit of competition, um, which is exactly what, you know, everybody's saying. Oh, Baja beat exists. Aren't you worried? Uh, the droids about competition, but the droids aren't worried. They know they're hot shit. Um, well, and Dana- do you know what, remember what Dana said? There's always room for more music in the world. It's beautiful. It is very nice. What a romantic, except Dana (laughs) Larson in this book, um, as she states right from the jump, Dana is uh, putting her foot down that she's through with love. Uh, She is, uh, love is for idiots. Um, (laughs) That's the thing. It's not just like, I'm not interested in having a boyfriend anymore, which is a totally valid take. It's basically like anybody that thinks that love is real is stupid. It's pretty existential, pretty dark times for Dana because she broke up with Brent. Oh, yes. Which this book, Gladiators, oh my gosh, the revisionist history. Thank you for reminding me of this, Andy. This book suggests that Jessica set Dana up with her boyfriend, Brent, which apparently she'd broken up with. Uh, But Brent is the guy from Who's Who that when Jessica was trying to date two boys at once and she Uh did it by like borrowing clothes and jewelry and stuff from two different kinds of girls. And so (laughs) she like pretends to be two different people. And then both girls that she borrows stuff from come to her house to like collect the stuff and the boys are also there. And then they all meet each other. Like it's totally a freak accident that Dana and Brent get together at all. So I was like, this book is trying to pretend like Jessica, It literally says multiple times that Jessica uh, feels guilty about Dana and Brent breaking up because she'd like gotten them together. It's totally. It sounds like Jessica herself influenced the writers because like she's like, oh, I'm important, you know, like I I got these people together, like I was part of this. Every nothing happens without Jessica. (laughs) Brett, I keep saying Brett, but Brett is his name. Oh, is it Brett? There's no end. Yeah. Um, Well, Brett is his name, and who's who? Well. Let's actually check the book. I mean, it's possible that <laughs> the book doesn't know what Jessica did. So it's possible the book also. Yeah, the book does call him Brent. So maybe maybe Brent and Brett are two different people. Or maybe somebody really uh, didn't check their Bible very carefully about what actually happened in the previous yeah. uh, books. That's this is see this this. Uh, um, controversy goes deeper than I even imagined. Wow, this is a conspiracy. What happened to Brett? This is Brett Erasure. Wait a second. Brett is the one that ends up with Suzanne. And Pete ends up with Dana. Oh wow, my gosh. Is... I should have checked this before the recording started, but I still have a like why would they name they they name the last per- the last boy that we saw Dana with? We saw Dana and Suzanne Hanlon with a boy named Brett and a boy named Pete, and Jessica was there. Now, we have never seen Jessica set Dana up with anybody named Brent or Brett. Or we'll, and now this book is claiming that Jessica set up Dana with her last boyfriend. It's only 
only six books later is what we're talking about. Oh wow, yeah. So it would so have been a really been a Pete and a Brent. <laughs> anyway, this is way too much time talking about this, but I'm no. Sorry. It's very. This is this very is important. My duty. This is my duty to you, the listeners, as a Sweet Valley High scholar, to get into the text and see what's going on. So. I uh, <laughs> I think it's very important. I, I could talk another hour about it, to be honest. I- <laughs> well, I should have done a little bit more careful research, but I was just shaking my head reading this because I remembered exactly the last time Dana was dating someone and how Jessica was involved. But Dana is not the only person who's fed up with love. Ooh. Another thing that somehow managed to happen when we were not looking, paying attention to the Wakefields, <laughs> is that Aaron Dallas, star soccer player, his girlfriend, Heather Sanford, yeah, moved she moved away. So, yeah, we meet Aaron, and he's not feeling great about love either, huh? No, he's really sad at the party. And his uh, his sadness is kind of taking the form of a little bit of, like, I don't know, it read to me a little bit like hyper-conservative outrage is how I was <laughs> reading it. He says, um, here's a, a line from page nine. The world would be a much better place without it. It being... Uh, love, by the yes. way. <laughs> I'm so sick of seeing happy couples everywhere I turn, and I hate the way all my friends have to check in with their girlfriends before they can do anything with me. Aaron eyed Todd severely. It really bugs me. Aaron folded his arms across his chest. Nobody knows how to have fun anymore. Every single party in Sweet Valley turns into a makeout session. Just then, Elizabeth noticed that the music had changed, as if to prove Aaron's point, Patty had put on a love song. Aaron, Elizabeth, and Todd watched as Jim took Patty in his arms. Everyone paired up for the slow dance. Penny and her steady boyfriend, Neil Fremont, Guy and Lynn, Andy and Tracy, Dee Dee and her boyfriend, Bill Chase, and even Jessica was dancing with one of Jim's friends. Everyone except Dana, who remained alone on the sofa in the corner, strumming softly on Andy's guitar. (laughs) It's disgusting, Aaron said, sounding just as disillusioned as Dana had a few minutes earlier. I think I'm going to start boycotting dating and parties, too. <laughs> it's like, okay, buddy. Um, uh, yeah, I, 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 that read is great. And also, I mean, my note was, wait, every single party turns into a makeout session. That sounds kind of fun. It's just- yeah, and he follows that up by saying nobody knows how to have fun anymore. Like, damn, Aaron. Okay. Now, gladiators, before, like, well-read gladiators, before you come at me about Aaron Dallas and how this is planting the seed of Aaron Dallas eventually in Sweet Valley Confidential, get ready for this or cover your ears, Andy, depending on whether or not you want to know. That him, like, eventually realizing that he's gay and becoming yeah. one of the only gay characters that Sweet Valley Confidential acknowledges. Um, now, Sweet Valley Confidential, for anybody who has no idea, is uh, the Sweet Valley 10 Years Later book that Francine Pascal wrote in 2011. And I have said many times on this show that I don't think of it as canon, which is kind of my own my own little choice since Francine did write it herself. But um, while this book has a couple of moments of like, oh, maybe that's why she chose Aaron for this. Aaron is clearly attracted, sexually attracted to Dana in this book. And oh, yeah, he gets more action than any person, including Todd Wilkins, in this book. So, like, towards the end of the book, five minutes goes by uh, in a blink of an eye. <laughs> we don't know what happened in those five minutes, but we have an idea. Oh, yeah. Steaminess. <laughs> That's the very end of the book, though, now. We got the two uh, lovelorn sad sacks over here. 
I smell a scheme. Do you smell a scheme? Look who's scheming. (laughs) Yes. So this is the basis. And from here, Todd makes us like just a casual suggestion about how it would be funny if they dated each other. And Elizabeth was like, wait a second. Yeah, they should date each other. Um, But they're so different. One likes rock and roll. The other likes soccer. I mean, there is a little (laughs) bit of like a, a punk versus like preppy kind of thing. But what we find out through the course of this book is that personality-wise and in terms of interests, they have kind of a lot in common. It's just like they don't know much about each other's biggest interest. Right. Um, and, and we're making, you know, stereotypical judgments about what they are just based on their appearance or like the one thing that they right. that they know. Oh, he plays soccer and she's a punk rocker. But as Ooh, that Elizabeth's rhymes. Ro- yeah. Ooh. As Elizabeth reminds You're us, writing a song, Andy, right here now. That must mean I'm in love because just songs pour out of Dana whenever she's feeling yeah. it. It's just like, oh, yeah. oh I got another one. <laughs> well, I don't want to cut you off and make you forget your point. But as soon as you say whatever you're about to say, we need to circle back and make sure that we tell the people about Dana's song that she writes on the spot at this party. Oh, absolutely. We'll get to the improvised song uh, that is the greatest song of all time. But no, uh, Elizabeth just reminds us and uh, that love doesn't have any rules. And I think that's very important to remember. Beautiful. A beautiful um, statement. One of many, like, embroidered on a throw pillow phrases that this book offers us. And then one last point. I, I realized that, like, she's so obsessed with, like, creating this love thing. Again, forgetting that last book, it sounds like she was where they were. She yeah, was she was ago. swearing off. Yeah, she was swearing off love, and it's like this. She doesn't remember. She has no amnesia of that. No sympathy. It's like the sh- most right. shocking thing in the world for someone to swear off love, even though that was her. Yeah, and I mean, on the face of it, we can say, well, that makes sense. That's part of why she feels so bad for them. She really, she's learned something. Mm. She she knows how it feels to feel bad about love, but um, that the book doesn't do anything with it. The book doesn't tell us that Elizabeth is thinking that or have her think or say or feel, uh, you know, I was like that not that long ago, but now instead it just, right. she's like blithely unaware that anybody could ever be unhappy about anything until late in this book when suddenly she is faced with a series of um, confrontations that really blew my hair back. Uh <laughs> I don't know how she dealt with it, frankly. Um, but we'll get Everyone, there. We'll get there. We'll get there. But yeah, Dana's song. Uh, do you want to sing it with me? Sorry, I didn't mean to take it over for you. Uh, no, you, I think you. I think you should sing it by yourself, Andy. <laughs> so yeah, she was, you know, strumming Andy's guitar. And let's see. This will be my artistic interpretation of this. I want to hear it, and maybe I can add in <clears throat> some harmony in in uh, in post. I, I think if you can just redub me in post, that would be one. <laughs> okay. But let's see. Let's see. I'm fed up with love. Don't know what I was thinking of. Letting romance fog my mind and waste my precious time. Yeah, that's all we got, at least as far as I know. Yeah, that was very good 80s rock. I think you've really captured the droid sound, actually, also. Did I? Oh, cool. I mean, it's an, it's a... It's in, it's print, you know. We don't we don't really know <laughs> what the droids sound like, but 
that's what they sound like to me. So what, where are we here? We've got this scheme. The first thing Elizabeth does, which seems like a really dumb idea to me, is that she tells some friends about the scheme. Um, she uh, is talking to Penny Ayala and Olivia in the Oracle office, of course. Dana's coming in because they're going to publish the lyrics to Fed Up With Love in the paper as like a humor column. For me, I was just like, this is exactly what I do with my newsletter, with wanderings. I'm like, oh, yeah, look, can I just share that? Like, that's what I'm doing. I'm like, yeah, sure. I'm the Oracle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're the Oracle. Um, and what they do is they make it, they do a very, like a classic, I think this is something that I, high schoolers would really pull, like pretending to whisper about how Aaron has a crush on Dana, but then stopping, like, as if they don't want Dana to hear as soon as Dana enters. Right. So they yeah, planted yeah. It's the either, seed. It's in, and it's an incredible moment used perfectly, timed perfectly. And yeah, I think I for sure bought it immediately. And it's like, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like if I'm Dana, I might be skeptical, but at the same time, why would you ever suspect anything? So, uh, full of lies from Elizabeth, right? Right. And she's definitely also telling herself, like, mm. as she's reacting to it, it doesn't matter because I'm not interested in having a relationship ever again. Um, in fact, there is um, another one of those uh, pillow quotes that I mentioned. Mm. Um, that's what I'm going to call them now. Pillow quotes. I like because, pillow quotes. Because you can put them on a pillow and put it on your couch, you know? Uh, <laughs> <I got it>. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> this is in italics. A talented, independent woman doesn't need a man in order to feel complete. Dana silently chided herself. She had read that somewhere, and she tried to believe it. But here it comes, everybody. Lately, she had felt as though something was missing in her life. <laughs> Truthfully, she was tired of feeling so alone. So this is, the, to me, I read this as the book, like, trying to be like, listen, kids, I don't want you to think we're saying you have to have a man to be uh, satisfied or that you have to have a partner. But also... For this series, you kind of do. <laughs> no one's I, allowed to be single in Sweet Valley. That was the most incredible. Like, it's just like, oh, we're progressive. You're, yeah, I'm a my confident single woman. I don't need anyone, but I do. Yeah. I mean, never mind. <laughs> this girl is a junior in high school and she's already had enough bad experiences with boyfriends that she's like done Give with it. men, done with dating forever. I, yeah. I had a question How many times have you sworn off love? And when was the first time? I have never sworn off love. It's just always burn a fire burning inside you. Uh, yes, that's exactly how I describe it. It's yeah, always okay. a fire. I mean, I've had a couple of times in recent memory um, where I've been like, well, I need to make peace with the possibility that this isn't going to happen. Or maybe like, I'm not going to try, like, I don't really feel like trying that hard. Like, let's see what happens, happens. But th I think that that's, that's different than love is, it's not a commentary on love in general, you know? Right. It's, it's that's less like a fleeting infantile. thought. It's a fleeting thought that I have. And then it's like, well, that's too stupid to even spend any time thinking about. That's something <laughs> that a 16 year old thinks or, you know an adult i guess too could have that thought, but not this adult <laughs> how about you uh, i don't i think it's similar like i don't think i've had the like i don't think i've ever been so dramatic about it 
Um, but I think I definitely had the like, well, you know, like I think it's this thing of like, well, I'm not going to put effort into my into my appearance or to myself because if they don't like me for who I am, like just as is, then wh- what good are they? But then realizing that that was me not taking care of myself or, or not mm-hmm. putting my best self forward. Like I, I definitely had that for a while. It's like, well, why would I need to like get a haircut? Uh, you know, like they should love sure. me for me. Uh, but <laughs> sure. Well, I do think that it's, uh, it is absolutely like a natural reaction. I think to a bad breakup to having your heart broken or however that comes like, right. like what we were talking earlier about Elizabeth's reaction when her parents separate, I think it's very natural for that to, for that to have turned into something where she's like, well, screw this. Everything I thought was real. Isn't real anymore. I, it's hard yeah, it's for protective. me to, yeah. And I, and, and in that sense, I think it, it's, it makes a little more sense with Aaron. So Aaron Dallas has had the only girl that he's dated in these books that, that I can recall. Well, the book says that he is, he dated Jessica on and off a lot, but Heather Sanford was like a serious girlfriend and she made an effort to, um, you know, to help him be a better person. And they had a real connection. Dana, on the other hand, like we literally never saw her, especially if Brent is a different person from (laughs) Brett and Pete, then we never (laughs) saw Dana with Brent. Like who, unless I, unless it happened so fast in passing that I missed it in one of these previous six books. But so, and I don't feel like that's what's up for her. It seems like a series of it never quite working. I think, yeah, Dana has her heart on her sleeve and, like, is easily falling in love kind of a person, you know? And then maybe that speaks to the fact that there's been, like, three in six uh, books. Like, that just sort of <laughs> – it just keeps coming and, and it's part of her art, you know? It's all in there. Yeah. So, you she know, does I, seem I like a, a, ser- a very passionate and kind of, like, mercurial person. And uh, Dana comes off as pretty interesting in this book once they start doing things with – which, oh, my God – the dates in this book. Uh, we already said all the places that they go in the high school, like history class, cafeteria, auditorium, soccer, locker room. But they also go a million places in the course of like a week or two. They go a million places in Sweet Valley, right? They're, they go they're making to, great date moves. Yeah, right. they go to the movies. That's the first thing that Todd and Elizabeth do is like the next step after. Oh, yeah. Um, Phase one was to, let's see. Both blushed at each other in the hallway. That was phase one as a success because right. they both had like lied about yeah. the nuggets that they each Todd liked each other. Todd did the same thing with his buddies in the in locker the, in room. In the locker room, yeah. For Aaron, as Liz did with her friends at the Oracle with with Dana. Yeah, so, Winston, Neil, and Todd. And and actually, uh, before we go any further, I feel like we need to establish the the stakes of the love bet. That has happened. Oh my gosh! Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. Also, also the name. What is the name? (laughs) Um, it's called Operation Pair Up. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. What a terrible name. Operation Pair Up. So even though Todd and Elizabeth are working together on this scheme, which is not normally how bets work, they're working together on Operation Pair Up. If Elizabeth is right and they do fall in love. She wins. If Todd is is right in his suspicion that it won't work, he wins. And what they win is three wishes from the other person. And that sounds very sexy. Um, but uh, when things are going really well toward the end of the first date at the movies, which they go to, I mean, this is so amazing. They go to some kind of 
art house repertory theater or something to see Adam's Rib, which is an old movie with um, Catherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. And Elizabeth invites Dana and is like, oh, Todd might bring a friend. Like, very casual. Not trying not to make it seem like a double date at all. They go to Guido's for pizza afterward. And when Dana and Aaron are really hitting it off, talking about how much they enjoyed the movie, Elizabeth is like, leans over to Todd and is like, I think I'm winning. But then when, <laughs> when the conversation turns, let me read it to you. Oh, please. So... Aaron actually brings up Dana's song and says, You know your new song, the one that was in the paper today? It's really on target. You're absolutely right. Falling in love is the ultimate waste of time. Hepburn Tracy movies aside, of course. He grinned at Dana. Elizabeth looks at Dana and it says, For a few seconds she didn't speak. A curious expression flickered across her face. What was she feeling? Elizabeth wondered. Could it be disappointment? Whatever Dana's emotion, it passed in a flash. She smiled, but it was a controlled smile, and her laugh was brittle and dry. No kidding, Dana said, shaking her head. That song came straight from my soul, believe me. If the best-looking, most talented guy in the world asked me out tomorrow, I'd turn him down flat. I have more important things to do. Okay, so that, that whole exchange happens and goes on. And then Todd leans forward and pretends to kiss Elizabeth. Three wishes, huh? Todd whispered in her ear. Now that I think about it, my car needs to be washed and waxed. That's one. <laughs> so they're literally like siblings giving, like, planning out like chore punishments <laughs> for their significant others. Like, okay. I had the exact same reaction. I was like, there's no sexual chemistry or chemistry at all. There's no, like, that's the most boring, lame, like, I'm going to give my partner work to do. So like, that and, is what it said in your book too. Yeah. yeah, it, over yeah. And just I mean, say, I suppose I have I, some wishes on my mind. No. Okay. Well, I mean, I suppose if you're going to read into it, you could assume maybe he's talking, washing and waxing something else, but no, it is definitely not how he is saying it. It is so lame. It's the lamest wish. I lost. A I was like, Oh, Todd sucks. That in was sweet. Valley. <laughs> A car is never a euphemism. They're, the cars are very important. <laughs> well, as a teenager, cars are the, yeah, it, it's a lifeline. It's freedom. Um, uh, it's, it's all it, you have. It, I suppose it behooves me to mention for any listeners to the show that are also big fans of the Babysitter's Club Club uh, podcast with Jack and Tanner, former guests of the show. I, I do want to acknowledge their long-term theory that the kids in this high school are cars and if that's the case then it is very sexy to suggest that your car needs to be washed and waxed to your girlfriend but Whoa. of course this is a much more serious and grounded show than that, <laughs> than that one so we don't indulge in such absurdities here on sweet valley diaries <laughs> very serious here serious analytical program that we've got um and so that's what leads us to believe that Todd and Elizabeth are kind of kind of uh, boring in the old <laughs> love department. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess there's something cool about scheming together and and you know and doing that. But like you said, they're doing it all wrong. Like the stakes, if the stakes are that, it's just like I mean, I guess mm -hmm. there are stakes, right? Like I don't want to wash and wax someone's car. That sucks. But like you said, they're working together in some weird way. And even there's a later plot point where I'm like, oh, maybe that was sabotage and i thought that yeah. would have been cool 
And no, it was just him being an idiot, and we'll talk about it. Well, let's go ahead and work our way there, because after that date, I think Elizabeth is watching enough to feel like there really is something there. Like, let's keep this going. Um, She does mention the scheme accidentally to Jessica, Mm. because Jessica overhears something she's not supposed to hear, but... um, Jessica does not sabotage the plot. Like I was ready for as soon as Jessica starts telling people about it, it would have been easy for her to sabotage the whole plan. But but she doesn't. She doesn't. Um, well, she said, she wants to sabotage something else about it, right? right. It's sort it of like motivates a different- her B story, which I cannot wait to talk about, but we will. Um, because I want to just get through the next date that they go on together is to um an outdoor jazz concert. Yes. So, do you did you see uh, La La Land? I did. So, do you remember? Or have you been made aware of the kind of like cultural sigh slash laugh at the scene where you have Ryan Gosling ex- like explaining um, oh, jazz. jazz to uh emma stone's character in that movie so we had because this we had a precursor to that scene here in this (laughs) book um when dana explains jazz very succinctly to aaron um and it's really she's not even like a jazz expert but he's like i don't know anything about jazz and how she describes it is what do i like about jazz the emotion and the individuality i guess Innovation and rebellion are what jazz has been all about since the start. Even if the band plays some golden oldie, it can still sound new, mostly because of the solos. That's when one player steps out and improvises, finds a new way to interpret the music. So every player gets his or her turn to shine. It sounds kind of like soccer, Aaron remarked. <laughs> <laughs> so jazz They're a lot and alike. soccer. Yeah. Yeah, they find a way to, uh, they bond over how jazz and soccer are similar. They agree that um, Dana will come watch him play a soccer game and he'll come cheer her on at the upcoming Battle of the Bands. So things are moving forward and Dana is really falling for Aaron. And I think we have reason to believe, oh, there's one other amazing thing that happens right before that conversation starts when Dana's like, Aaron's not even into me. Um, Mm. Because he's like a little bit further away on the like car, uh, Towel on the on the like uh, blanket, blanket that they're sitting yes. on, yeah. <laughs> We're just trying to figure out what textile it is here. <laughs> it's a blanket, you guys. <laughs> she stole a glance at him. It almost looked as if he were there as Todd's date. He was sitting Ooh. closer to Todd than Elizabeth was. Ah, with the so, confidential reveal. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, that's that's the moment. That's the only sentence in this book that that really, other than I swear off dating and parties forever. It's just so funny to me, like reading that, because it's just so obvious. It's like, of course he's staying away, because he he because he likes you too, and he's being cautious. Like it's just so, it's just so obvious. Uh, but yeah. I I love it. We it turns into a self esteem yeah. thing for Dana. I think actually subtextually, this book is pointing to that being part of Dana's issue is that putting yourself out there is hard. Which is that's yes. that's true, uh-huh. no matter how you feel about love. A hundred percent. I definitely identified a lot with Dana and, and found myself like th- I was rooting for her. She was my, she, I felt like she was the star of this book. Yeah, totally. I like Dana yeah. books, but so we've had the film, the classic cinema. We have yes. had the jazz concert. Um, well, the and next- it was go- yeah. Well, I was going to say it was going so well, but then it's Dana's turn to sort of 
put up the walls of like making very aggressive saying, well, this is just friends, right? Like oh, yeah, when in the car on the way home, after they're talking about how they're going to support each other at various things, and Todd and Elizabeth are like, mm, okay. Then, yeah. then all of a sudden Dana's like, friends. That's what friends would do. And that's after she like literally admits that she like wanted to get touched by Aaron and that was that she was attracted. Like we get her internal monologue about that, that they're like getting closer and closer on the blanket. Yeah. Uh, and so, but she was like, of course, pushing away because, right. uh, I mean, they both were basically puffing up because they made such a big dramatic deal about their feelings about love. It just felt yeah. like, well, we can't, we can't backtrack that. We're worried about what other people will say. Yeah, and guys, that's not Andy reading into the book. The book literally shows us inside their like internal monologues of both characters thinking the thought like, well, I made such a big show of how I was done with love. I can't uh, magically be undone with love or I'm going to be really embarrassed. Um, and then the next, the next like fancy date that Elizabeth and Todd kind of scheme up for Aaron and Dana is to go to a play. Shouldn't we uh, shouldn't we talk about the soccer game first though? Like that in should. a way feels like a I mean, that's a progression, right? That's like when she's like, Oh, no wonder Aaron had such great muscles. Mm. Oh my gosh, yeah. And she gets Dana gets so into the game. She doesn't <laughs> understand soccer at all. And but she's like, I really get what he meant when he said it was like jazz. <laughs> she was the biggest fan ever. I was yeah. very like, oh my God, I don't think I've ever felt that supported by anyone. And it was just right. like this light switch of just she yeah. was all rah-rah. Yeah. And they go out again for pizza afterward. And Elizabeth clocks like Aaron and Dana making meaningful eye contact for a long time across the restaurant. Uh, maybe they're at the Dairy Burger, actually. I think they, might I think they the go to the Dairy Burger, Burger after. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then, but then, and like, he's the star. Like, they have that moment where she's like, great game. And he's like, it mean, meant a lot that you were here. But then he gets whisked away because yeah. he's the star. Right, right. But and Dana feels very proud of him and she's like, Why should I feel proud of him? I'm not like yeah, it's not like I'm his girlfriend or anything. And <laughs> she realizes that, that really is what she wants. And so Elizabeth, you know, using her strong intuition, paying attention, she like knows what's going on. And she's she knows that all that has to happen to give that final push is one more double date, and then after that they'll be making their own plans. But mm, then what should three. happen? Phase three. But Dana and Elizabeth are talking to each other at Dana's locker, and a card, an envelope, falls out of Dana's locker that is anonymous, and it says, what, I, I've changed my mind. Yeah, like, Something, I yeah. want you, basically. I, I didn't right. write it down because it was pretty terrible. <laughs> and she shows the card to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth sort of blanches. And we mm. learn moments later that the reason that happened is uh, that Elizabeth recognizes the handwriting on the card. It's Todd's handwriting. Um, Todd made the love card. I mean, I I wouldn't put put it past these books for Elizabeth to be like, wait a second, Todd's in love with Dana? But no, (laughs) Elizabeth is pissed at Todd because he's done a dumb thing with the scheme. He's done or a bad he's sabotaging, scheme. right? Like we don't know if he's doing this on purpose to win the bet. Because that's the conclusion that Elizabeth reaches is that he's sabotaging things on purpose, um, as opposed to he's just over eager and bad at a scheme. 
Right. Like they had already basically got them on the right wavelength and track. Like it was smooth sailing and he just had to like one up. It was classic, classic Todd as I've come to know him. Uh, Cause it would be way cooler and also a like a part of a bet to like sabotage or like more conflict, but it's just, no, he's just lame. <laughs> okay. This is what the card says. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I've changed my mind. How about you? Ooh, um, and you know, job. Dana's gone because she falls for it. She loves it. Also on the front was a misty romantic scene with a boy and a girl walking hand in hand on a beach at sunset. I'm just imagining Todd drawing that. (laughs) Dana was about to laugh, thinking it must be a joke. Then she opened it and read the handwritten verse inside. And then, you know, she's, she's like, she, she loves it. You know, she's excited to learn he has a crush on her. But yeah. Yeah, She's more into prose than the visual arts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Elizabeth somehow thinks that what will make everything all right is if she and Todd don't go on the date with them. But that doesn't do any good. Well, she tells Dana to not mention it too. She's like, you know what? Yeah. He might be, he might be like, we, you know, private about it, embarrassed. Don't bring it yeah. up. Don't bring it up. That's her and last ditch effort. I think if Elizabeth and Todd had gone on the date with them, they could have come up with a way to explain it away or to get her not to talk about it. But because they weren't there, they couldn't monitor it. And so all they know is that Dana, after she, so what what we see happen is that Dana and Aaron go to the Box Street Cafe after the play, which they both really liked. It's very romantic. And Dana mentions the card right as Aaron is about to tell her how he feels about her. And then Aaron is like, wait, what? And he looks at the card and also recognizes Todd's handwriting because they've been doing some schoolwork together lately. And Dana puts it all together. And she immediately is like, they did this to try to get us together, but he doesn't like me at all. And she runs away. She's so pissed off because she's sure that she's fallen in love with this guy through a scheme, but he, it hasn't worked on him. Right, or maybe he's part of it. She never actually says that. She never, like, suspects Aaron's, like, foul play in it either. But it's like, I mean, but obviously we're Team Dana in that moment of, like, oh, my God, how embarrassing. Like, I fell for this stupid card. Yeah, Um, I mean, yes, I am Team Dana, except... She doesn't let him talk. Or. She just right instead of instead of having a conversation with Aaron about what happened, she assumes what he's about to say, and then is like, if she'd let him finish his sentence, they they both could have been mad at Elizabeth and Todd together, but she wouldn't have had this heartbreak. So Elizabeth gets on the gets a phone call from Dana, who basically says. Ooh. screw you bitch you're dead to me you know <laughs> and i mean she doesn't say that because it's sweet valley but um I she says she is this liz and i write female voice demanded yes dana is that you how was the dana cut elizabeth off the play was fine a lot better than my life thanks to you and todd um and she says uh, I don't know why you and Todd have been trying to get Aaron and me together, but you can forget about it after tonight. I'm sure he'll never want to see me again. And I feel the same way. I don't want to hear any more of your lies, she says to Elizabeth. Um, my friendship with Aaron is over and my friendship with you is too. Like, really Ooh, heated. Yeah. So Elizabeth hangs up the phone. It says that Dana hung up so hard that there was like a ringing in Elizabeth's ears. Elizabeth turns right around to Todd, who's at her house, and is like... 
immediately takes this out on Todd. She's like, <laughs> you did this on purpose. You tried to sabotage it. Now you ruined everything. And Todd is like, whoa, slow your roll. He takes off. He's not talking to Elizabeth now either. And then Jessica comes home and we're about to tell you about Jessica's B-plot, but she comes home and she's also mad at Liz. She's like, you and your stupid scheme, it's ruining my life, which is nonsense. But um, (laughs) (laughs) it all happens in like the course of like five minutes. Right. And the whole world, I think she, like even the book says, like the whole world is mad at Elizabeth. And the the big quote was, where had she gone wrong? (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, I immediately wrote, when you started meddling in other people's business, you... (laughs) (laughs) You meddler. You serial meddler. When does meddling ever work? I guess it does work sometimes. But uh, yeah, so now seems like a great time to talk about the Jessica B-plot. Woo, Jessica B-plot. By the way, I have blue-green eyes just like Jessica. So anyway, Uh just want to point that out. Well, you know who else has blue-green eyes? Do you? I do, actually. But um, <laughs> another thing, another person who does uh, is Elizabeth, uh, Jessica's identical twin. Well, so. <laughs> well, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they just made a point of saying Jessica's blue-green eyes. Um, oh, and sure. I'm ca- tr- and I'm trying to cast myself as Jessica on this show. So. Well, how would you feel if you were Jessica in mm. this scenario? You are really mad at your twin sister for trying to hook up a single girl with a single guy who you are not into, but you sometimes date and you want to be able to continue dating him. If you feel bored certain nights, you want him <laughs> to be like in your pool of potential dateable right. guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah. For, Cause for every guy is evening. mine. Every guy is mm-hmm. mine. You know, like I, you know, yeah. unless I've, unless they're hideous, you know, like I, I yes. I totally get where Jessica is coming from here. You know, like she she has ownership over the whole pool. Yeah, and and I think well, I think it's it's the classic thing where she has no feelings for him whatsoever. But it's like once the idea of uh, Aaron being uh, taken away, that's the the moment. Like she wants right. what she can't have, and the idea of like, oh my god, he's no longer part of my rolodex of dates. Uh, and she's single right now, right? So it's like mm-hmm. it makes it. You know, and he's a hot soccer star, right? So it's like, okay, there are some stakes here for her. She she liked that as a backup backup plan. Right. But rather than actually doing anything about Aaron, because she doesn't care about Aaron, right. um, or do anything to ruin the scheme, which would have been her most obvious method, she decides to take the droids down a peg uh, by helping out some other band in the Battle of the Band. Which is why I cannot believe we made it this far into the recording without getting into the other bands that are also named in this book as being competitors in the Battle of the Bands. We said the Baja Beat. There's also the Suede Men and Spontaneous Combustion. Spontaneous Combustion! Yeah. So, uh, very nice. Um, so <laughs> Jessica is like, let's help out with the battle of the bands. She tells Lila and Amy and Lila and Amy are, oh, th- that actually occurs to me that this is a, a new segment that we have called, you can't sit with us. I think is what it's called. You can't sit with us. It's like, what's up with Lila, Amy and Jessica, this, this trio of mean girls. Uh, um, okay. You can't London, sit with us. Exactly. 
The scheme goes like this. The droids have been the most popular band around for ages, Amy remarked, taking a sip of her soda. I wonder if any other band could really beat them. Jessica nodded thoughtfully as she took a bite of her salad. The droids were incredibly popular, but maybe it was time they moved over and gave the spotlight to someone else. Jessica's resentment of the Operation Pair-Up scheme eased somewhat when she pictured Dana's band losing to Baja Beat, Spontaneous Combustion, or the Suede Men. And why not get in on the action, she thought to herself. Let's get involved in the Battle of the Bands, she proposed suddenly. Lila raised an eyebrow. What, form a band of our own and enter the contest? Oh, that'd that'd that That was a pretty silly idea, Jessica thought. Besides, she had a better one. We could be roadies, she declared. <laughs> you know, the people who help out the bands backstage. You've got to be kidding, Lila exclaimed. You mean lift things? Take orders? What's the matter? Are you afraid you'll break a fingernail, Jessica teased her? I'm not interested in slave labor, Lila said, lugging around equipment and stuff. We wouldn't even get to appear on stage. It's a totally non-glamorous job. Uh, so yeah, Amy is out right away. Lila is somehow in, even though clearly she out. thinks it's a bad idea. And the 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 really grasping at straws, and it's so ridiculous. Like, do you remember why they're doing this, other than just to stick it to the droids? Well, to stick it to the droids, but also it's the idea. Well, the 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 promise of this battle of the bands. It's you know, promoted by a local radio station, the winner gets an all-expenses-paid trip to Los Angeles, California, where the winning band gets to be the opening act at a hip music club, which, A, those are that's a huge prize. That's impressive. This is a big battle of the bands. But that, I think, it's to be like to ride their coattails in some way, get to that, get it to go on that trip. Yeah. But mainly it's hot boys. Ride their coattails to Los Angeles, which is like... 20 minutes away from Sweet Valley and Lila has more money than God. She could get them into a fancy party in the snap of her fingers in LA. It's just so nonsensical. <laughs> like they could have made it in New York city or something that might've seemed sexy, but like, goodness. I mean, that doesn't, wouldn't have made a ton of sense. Like that would have been too big of a prize for a high school battle of the bands. I still thought it was a great prize, but I know in the scheme of the, or like in the, yeah, the scale of this it book. It is absolutely like, a great prize for the band that wins, but not for the roadies of the band. So Jessica <laughs> asks Andy Jenkins about being in being roadies for his band, but they don't need roadies. He's the one that tells her that a guy named Spy Lazarus has a band <laughs> called, you know, he's the one from Spontaneous Combustion, and he's heard that they need roadies. Spy Lazarus is like, in a book with great names, Spy Lazarus, and that's like literally his name. It's not even a rock thing, I'm pretty sure. At least well, I know Lazarus know, yeah. is his family name because they mm-hmm. go to the Lazarus's house. Like they mentioned that, which is just hilarious. It's all great. Um, yeah. But yeah, so she's well, and that's the 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 other part aside from going to a hot like a, a cool club is that rock stars are hot. Working in, with a band is hot. It's glamorous, yeah. even though uh, Lila is right. It's really not glamorous to be a roadie, at least in the way that well, they'll they'll find out that they'll find but out like, that it's not. Yeah, right, exactly. But it's just her I, idea. Really, is just to get with hot boys and who's hotter than rockers. And but the whole yeah, so it's like okay, spontaneous combustion is is the 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 lead that they have, and they just all go oh, yeah yeah. And this is where we come back around to the thing we were talking about earlier of Jessica 
being so optimistic when it comes to like what she's getting herself into. So she's like spy Lazarus is such a cool sounding name. Spontaneous combustion and with a band with a name like that has got to be great. And I heard his voice on the phone when I called him, his mm. voice sounded really sexy. Um, so Lila and Jessica together go to the Lazarus house, which is in the bad part of town. Ooh, Wentworth where, Avenue. Where all the paint houses need a fresh coat of paint. <laughs> it's really like, woof. But um, this yeah, is going to be, uh, briefly, what they find there will take us to the part of the podcast where we talk about boys. Oh, 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 who's a beautiful boy? a beautiful boy? Now, this is usually uh, a place where we get to hear boys really uh, objectified and um, idolized. But here's what we find at Spy Lazarus's house. First of all, Spy answers the door with a lit cigarette in his mouth and is like, hey, you must be the Wakefield and Fowler chicks. Excellent. Come on in. And uh, Lila does not like being called chicks. (laughs) But she doesn't make a fuss. So the first thing that we get is this is continuing with Jessica's optimism. Think positive, she told herself. Maybe Spy wasn't exactly what she expected, but that didn't necessarily mean the rest of the band was unattractive. When she reached the bottom of the basement stairs, however, Jessica saw she was wrong. Calling these guys unattractive would actually be a compliment. Hideous was more like it. Like, seriously, these girls go to the basement of this stranger's house. It's really scary. <laughs> um, yeah, it could have gone way worse. Yeah. Dudes meet chicks, Spy said cheerfully. Jessica and Lila, this is Hal, Wheels, Pete, and Motorhead. You can call them Motor. Motor. <laughs> A few descriptions of these fellas. Hal, Wheels, Pete, and Motorhead might as well have been Spy's brothers. For all Jessica knew, they were his brothers. They all looked as if they hadn't seen the sun since childhood, and they certainly didn't lift weights. Their arms were skinnier than hers! And their hair. Lila was thinking the same thing. Long hair, sure, she whispered in Jessica's ear. And it hasn't been washed in a year. Jessica has promised Lila sexy guys with sexy long hair, like this rock star that they're into, whose name is Jamie something. Peters. Um, Jamie Peters, thank you. Wow. Yeah, no pulling punches here. The spontaneous combustion, just not hot, man. They're hideous. They are pale. (laughs) They have long, dirty hair, and they have skinny arms. Four terrible things to have. Uh, in Sweet Valley, California in the year 1990. I mean, maybe the worst four things you could have, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's also a weird moment where Spy is, like, showing them around the equipment and the book notices, like, Jessica looks around and sees that all the exits are blocked, like, so she can't run. And she's like, and also, I don't really want to run because Spy is kind of scary. Like, I don't know what would happen. Yeah, I forgot about that. That was, like, so creepy. Or, or like, like she was thinking about, like, exits and how to get out, but she couldn't. Thankfully, it was more just like, oh, I can't get out of the scheme, not like my life is in danger. But 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, bad shit's gone down and went with Avenue before, but so weird then to think that these girls continue to go to this band's house over the course of the next 10 days and learn how to run their audio equipment. It's <laughs> and, and like carry it around and load it into the van. It's wild. And Lila's it's, not much help, but she keeps on showing up. She, I think uh, she shows up just to stick it to Jessica that she's not going to help. She's just going to be there and like <laughs> yeah. comes up with excuses. And, yeah. and I think she just enjoys yeah twisting the knife on that but yeah it's it feels like it's just in her nature right like she's optimist but i think it's also comes from an arrogance of like i can't be wrong like (laughs) this is the band that is going to win you know maybe they're unattractive but like that doesn't mean they can't be great at music but but uh, yeah then they hear them play and it's like their ears are bleeding like it's their it's like it sounds like it is maybe like a metal or it's yeah it's like a screamo yeah but in their the, their song is the one that they said is hold me till I hate you. Uh, yes, so good. <laughs> what a title. It is I a really it. good song title. Honestly, <laughs> I was like, Whoa, but that also sort of gives you the insight of what these men are. They are, right. it's not that they're just hideous, like superficially or like looking They're They're hideous on the inside too. Yeah, they just treat <laughs> yeah. them like chicks, and also You're, like like right. hit on them. They're just sexual harassing them. Basically, yeah, it, it's hard. You don't it, whatever sympathy you feel for how these guys are written off as being so ugly by the book. Um, whatever sympathy you feel for them dissolves very quickly because of how shitty they are to Jessica and Elizabeth, and gross. And I think a butt gets pinched at some point. Like they box. You want to be my chick? They're, yeah, like yeah. Wheels. I think asks Lila or something. Yeah, it's it's their very one note. And I think I, I was sort of disappointed by. The, I mean, I don't know. This book didn't have enough room to do anything different, probably. But I I don't know. I would have liked it to just be like oh this is actually hard work not glamorous or something like that but i don't know i guess well, i feel like there was a lesson work. here that she could learn more than just uh don't believe voices as attractive or yeah, whatever but the, like, like <laughs> when jessica learns that something is hard work the, which she does learn this the lesson is like boy hard work sucks <laughs> you know like that tends to be the takeaway for Jess and so these two stories converge on the battle of the bands at the end of the book uh, which i think we're there heck yeah We've, let's do it nobody's talked to elizabeth for a days except for Jessica and Elizabeth make up at the at brunch, brunch table like you mentioned at the beginning of the episode the key is really i mean Aaron solves this himself. Like Elizabeth tries to talk to Dana several times. Dana won't talk to her. Todd is pissed at her, understandably. <laughs> and um, I think everyone's understandably mad at Elizabeth, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so really, it, it's down to Aaron showing up at the Battle of the Bands, just like he promised. And like taking Dana off to like talk to her for a moment and he takes her to the soccer field. Mm. And even then, she's so ready for him to say, I I want to talk about what happened, you know, I really want us to be friends or whatever. But. Right. Yeah. She is still not seeing it, still, yeah, ready to I mean, she's heartbroken. She she felt she felt betrayed by everyone, by the world. But in fact, but. Aaron has, of course, taken her to tell her, like, regardless of how we got together in the first place, um, like, basically, Todd has just has explained everything to Aaron. Right. Explained about the note, explained about the operation pair up. (laughs) And Aaron still has come away from this feeling like, sure, 
however I came to it, my feelings for Dana are genuine. And so it's like, it doesn't really matter how we got together. And then um, he kisses her. And then the book is like, five minutes later, Dana was like, oh, I better get back to the auditorium. <laughs> Can't just sit here and kiss all night. Although she was kind of regretting that she couldn't, even mm-hmm. though she, it's, the book says so many times that music is like the light of her life. But a new yeah. a new boy is you know just as just as important, <laughs> right? And now she's going to perform better than ever because of like course. love is the light that fuels her passion and all that stuff. Well, so. and we had seen the arc with it too because when she first is realizing that she feels more than friendly to Aaron, that the music is flowing, the the songs are yeah. coming, she's reading, and the band is gelling like that. We right. get to see a, a band practice incredible, and then. After the 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 card incident, she's heartbroken, and the band practice like right before is terrible. She's out of it. Right. Nothing's the spark's gone, and then yeah, of course. And even though they got tiger print costumes, the jungle motif by her friends, which we didn't yeah. mention, we have to mention. But like it was just like, oh, I I'm gonna let my friends down because I'm just not feeling it anymore. Even though they made this incredible tiger print <laughs> costume for me, but then yeah, obviously all it takes is five minutes of kissing Aaron and. Yeah, she You're they give a the great mountain. performance, and you know Baja beat is good. The suede men is fine, um, but spontaneous combustion. They have a literal combustion spontaneously. Uh, probably Jessica's fault. She's plugged sort of willy nilly, plugged some cables into some different places where they shouldn't have been plugged in. But at this point, she's very much sick of this shit. And Lila has shown up to the Battle of the Bands with her arm in like an ace bandage saying that she, oh, she sprained her wrist. She can't help out. And Jessica is just like, Jessica's also wearing a black miniskirt because she thought it would look cool. And the guys told told them to wear black because that's what roadies do. It's like being a stagehand, you know? Right. Um, and so Jessica has worn black, but she's worn like sexy black. And she's really she's really wishing she'd worn jeans <laughs> because it's hard to do her job uh, in a miniskirt. Yeah, she's worrying about the skirt like ripping. It's like having a whole slip up. Uh, yeah, it was a very yeah. stressful day for Jessica. So the audience in the auditorium really cheers for the explosion, but spontaneous combustion does not get to play. And we learn that the droids uh, have won in a, by a landslide. So sorry, Bahabi. Sorry, suede men. Yeah, that's uh, not very nice to the other is, competitors. Like this in is a droids landslide. town. Yeah. Yeah. No, you could just. But but Andy mentions, you know, he he understands. He takes it well, and he's like, well, but we needed to be like this was sort of their coming out party. It was like this is the first time they performed and went public with the band. So it was like a big step for uh, Baja Beat. So I, you know, I don't think we've heard the last of the Baja Beat. You know, I, I, you know, the first EP might not have hit it out of the park, but you know, let's, let's. uh... Oh my gosh. You saying that made me realize what my, especially for girls book is missing. What that? I don't have a tease for the next book. Oh, I have the tease for the next book. Well, let's let's close Whoa. out the story by telling the gladiators that 
Um, not only do Aaron and Dana end up together, but also uh, Aaron and Dana create their own scheme by, um, in a little nod to the card incident, it's also kind of a prank, which I love. They prank slash scheme to get Elizabeth and Todd to make up by leaving a card in each one of their lockers, ostensibly from the others, but unsigned, saying, like, meet me by the clock tower after school how do they not see that coming by the way and and do they not recognize their handwriting like if she knows it's typewritten it's typewritten. oh that's right that's right okay yeah they did make that yeah so elizabeth and todd are able to apologize to each other before they realize that they were tricked and then they laugh it off and then what happens andy oh well i was gonna say before something Oh, well, yeah, and I'll definitely get to that. But I just want to say, like, literally, like, who did this? And then there was, like, honk, honk. And then, like, Aaron and Dana are, like, driving by in the yeah. parking lot. They're like, like, serves <laughs> you right, assholes. <laughs> but in a friendly way. Yeah, no, exactly. It was, uh, ha, ha. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, basically, Elizabeth wins the bet. And as we establish, she gets three wishes. And, right. we're you know, the, the stakes were high with, uh, you know, washing and waxing. What is... What, let's do the three wishes that Elizabeth says. Um, mm-hmm. I wish that we'll never have a pointless argument again. That's one. I wish that we'll always be together and as happy as we are right now. Wow. That's number two. And number three is I wish for the biggest, best kiss ever right this very instant. And then... The line of the book, the line of the book. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. Todd Wilkins, what does he have to say? One Todd Wilkins deluxe smooch coming right up. (laughs) And with that, our book ends. Thank you, Todd. (laughs) For the deluxe smooch. It sounds like something you'd get from the Dairy Burger. I'm surprised Uh, I didn't have a dream last night that Todd was saying that to me, but I didn't, (laughs) alas. My subconscious just didn't hang on to it. It sounds like a enough. nightmare to me. I, don't, I, like I, I know. T- I there's mean, no in way reality, his, yes. There's no way his deluxe smooch is any good. Um, but like, what terrible wishes? What terrible? Even if we're not even doing like sexy wishes, okay? We can take those off the ch- – like we're chased. You know, we're, we're proper Sweet Valley gladiators here. I understand, but like – that's the best she. Those aren't wishes. I mean, I they're not they, doable. Like, no. you can't. I'll no, we'll never have a pointless argument again. Is just a. I mean, it's like, have you been in this relationship before, Elizabeth? Like, no. That's all you guys do. Well, also, have you Number just two, ever been in a relationship yeah. before? Ever, well, that's what yeah. relationships are. Pointless arguments. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> they're definitely not going to stay together forever and be as happy as they are in that instant. They. I mean. Not only is the happiness part, like, that's unrealistic. If you were always equal happy, then you would never feel anything. Right. Uh, But also, like, they're 16 years old. They're going to stay together forever? Really? Is that what's going to happen? I mean, how naive these people are, maybe I would believe that part the most of any of these three. (laughs) But the other one is, like, as happy as we are right now, it's really funny because it's just, like, again, how fickle these characters are. Two minutes ago, they were pissed and not talking. And now I'm as happy as we've ever been. You know, it's like, and it's just such short-term memory uh, yeah, hilarious. Um, and then yeah, the biggest best kiss ever. No, that's a good. That's a good wish. That's a good wish. Okay, yeah. we'll we'll allow that one, especially. I mean, it's a deluxe smooch. You know that. Yeah. 
Like, like she of couldn't get that. Of course, he would have given that to her for free. So That's what I'm saying. It's a terrible wish. She should you know? have asked for something weirder, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, or anything. Like, <laughs> like I just, I mean, weirder would have been great. Like, can you imagine? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I can't imagine what they would wish for. What these, like, these are the yeah. perfect wishes for this book. I know that. But I'm right. just like, I've never been in a relationship, like, never been in a relationship where those would be what I yeah. wish for. I don't. But I also don't have, like. What would you wish for in that? If you're, um, if you're Elizabeth, what would you wish for? I think she should have wished to be allowed to be the one to drive Todd's car mm. for like a month, maybe. You know, I like, like I get to drive your car now. You're not driving me around anymore. Um, and, and given how like serious he is about his car, that's like a big one. I like. Yeah, that. maybe like. I don't have to come to your basketball games for a while <laughs> and you can't be mad at me about it. Oh man, um, that would be really hurtful though. Cause it's like, it's like, Oh, <laughs> I, I clearly don't care about your interests and what you are good at. Like that's what that it just says. Seems it's like it would get old. Like she always has to go to these games. I like basketball a lot, but having to go watch a high school basketball game, like multiple times a week or month or whatever, seems rough. I would. I mean, I agree with you in today's reality, but what do they have to do in 1990 in Sweet Valley? Like, that's like the event of the season. Oh, I know. She should wish that he takes her to Los Angeles to a great music club to hear an amazing hit music club. Yes. To go see the droids. Um, Heck yeah. yeah. That's a good, that is a great Mm -hmm. wish. That Mm -hmm. is the wish that I would have wished as well. Uh, And I'd also wish... Hey, Todd, never make a card again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Run everything by me now, Todd. That's my wish. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. These these characters would not last a minute in the Upper East Side. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Andy, of course, referring to uh, Gossip Girl, um, uh, his own podcast, Late Great Former. Podcast, yeah, uh, the late Gossip great. Guys. Well, it's still out there. People can listen to it. Oh, yeah. It is It is alive and well, featuring a different mm-hmm. Aaron. Perhaps now that we've gotten to the end of the book, um, you can tease the listeners for what's coming up in book 69. Yeah. I'm, well, I'm really heartbroken that you didn't get this tease. Uh, but basically, our we I don't even know if we mentioned him at all in this episode. I think we talked about him before we got on, but Charlie Cashman, I think he makes like one appearance in line at the same time where Jessica He's a goes bully. To, yeah, he's a bad he, bully. Charlie Cashman's the bad boy, the bully that no one likes, like literally everyone's least favorite, and he's a monster to Andy. Basically cuts in line and 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 uh, you know, starts a picks a fight. Um and yes, that is the cover for Friend Against Friend, book 69. And basically, Charlie starts something with Andy again, and Neil Fremont is there at the same time, setting up basically, I mean, to me, it was like, oh, we're going to have this like bully thing. But the Friend Against Friend is Andy, Neil. But that, we don't get, that's really, it's a pretty light tease. You know, it's just like literally Charlie's a dick, and we're going to face Charlie next time. And Andy and Neil's friendship is going to be challenged by whatever comes out of that. Um, I, I was, I would say, I was a little bit disappointed. I thought we were setting up Claire Middleton. Claire's the new girl in school. Yeah, there's a new girl named Claire Middleton, and it doesn't come up. And I don't know if it's going to come up. I'm, I'll be interested to see when Claire Middleton comes back to be important. 
But I did want to say, I wanted to make a special, like, I, 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 you know, I don't think I've been very hard on Elizabeth. Maybe I have, but I thought the best version of Elizabeth is when she talks to Claire Middleton at Dairy Burger. She like, she welcomes her. She's the new girl in history class. She welcomes her to the table, like, come and hang out with us. Come talk. And, you know, in, in so many books and movies, that is always like, I'm ready to like make fun of you and destroy you. But she is like very genuine about like wanting to know who Claire is be be yeah. her friend and and, and when Claire and Claire like leaves because she's too shy and and she understands Elizabeth understands there's no judgment there and I was like that was my MVP Elizabeth moment I was just mm-hmm. like that's the Elizabeth that this town needs <laughs> yeah <laughs> but book 69 would you Brilliant. care to read that passage why is Charlie Cashman picking on Andy Jenkins Find out in Sweet Valley High number 69, Friend Against Friend. Yeah, there you go. So that's what's coming up in a couple weeks here. Uh, We'll see if we can get it up to you, out to you in actually two weeks. I know the early schedule has been a little bit like uh, sporadic. I've had some off weeks uh, lately, but I do appreciate your patience as I try to figure out uh, how to work a, work around my new schedule. Um, but before we sign off for today, Andy, uh, would you uh, care to tell the listeners where they can find your stuff? Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, I'm Andy Green. I don't know if we even said my full name, did we? We definitely did, yes. No, I had to say it again. Because it, like in this book, you need to say your full name. You don't exist unless you're the full name. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so I have a podcast. My current podcast is the Naked Man Podcast. It's a, a mental health show that Marissa Flaxbart herself has been on, where we talk yes. about online dating and, and a very Sweet Valley High, I think, uh tangential like i think it's in the universe you know of this show proud of that episode and yeah we it's an interview show and also i i perform monologues and talk about you know the boy stuff (laughs) Uh, (laughs) you know i get into the boys corner um and and just yeah learning i mean basically learning how to deal with my mental health and and take care of myself and investigating masculinity Uh, you know yeah. Andy, if you ever want to use beautiful boys as a needle drop in your show, I'm sure I can ask Jocelyn Schofield if you if you can use it. That I that sounds wonderful. So that comes out, that's wherever the podcasts are. I also have a uh, an experimental periodical is what I'm calling it. The Wanderings. It comes out every couple of weeks on Substack. Um, and that's just if you look up wanderinggreen.substack.com. I am on uh, Instagram at wandering green. That's green with an E at the end. And I feel like, I don't know, I'm doing all sorts of other maniac things out there, but I think you'll find me if you look at one of those. So Marissa, thank awesome. you so much for, thank you uh, so much. Andy. Betting on well, love, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. We are betting on love and, um, uh, I will see you again before too long here because we are going to have a little more conversation in extra drama. Uh, Until then, gladiators, you know, I want to send you off with a lesson from this book. And that lesson is it's okay to be fed up with love as long as you're willing to become hungry for love again. (laughs) 
I didn't even write that down. I just came up with that off the off the top of my head. What do you think? Oh my god, I thought that <laughs> you're, you're a regular Dana Larson. Look at I know, that. Right? That's the next verse in that song. Mm-hmm. It's like I okay. was fed up for love, but now I'm hungry again. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so fed up with love. I'm fed up with love. Don't know what I was thinking of. Letting romance fog my mind and waste my precious time. Yeah, that's all we got.